weird at this kid at work. He was like, oh, I'm gonna. He's, he was talking about trying to lose weight, even though he's as sk skinny as anything. He's like 19. He's like five, like 10, so real trim. And he's like, oh, I need to I need to lose weight before I go to the gym. I was like, what are you talking about? You're in like really good shape. Just go. If you want to get bigger, just go to the gym. Then he's like, no, I'm going to lose some weight first. So I was like, all right, well, you just do like calorie control and stuff. Then he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then he came to me early with a shake and he's like, because he was talking about meal replacement things. I was like, okay. He came to me with this shake. I looked at it. He's like, is this good? And I'm like, oh, I don't know, mate. What, what? And he was like, oh, yeah, because I'm kind of hungry. So he had lunch and had food. And then I looked at it. I was like, oh, what's, what's the calories? And I'm like, what? It was 1,204 calories. Yeah, because it's a meal replacement. It's meant to replace like a whole meal, that one shake. No, that's a whole day. It's a whole day's food in a shake. Yeah. It's 1,200 calories. I was like, I was like, you know, you don't need to drink. It's like, what are you doing? So did like, he yeah, drink it's it? Great. It's great. It's fine if you're exercising, if you're like pumping loads of weights. If you're just going to do your work here, then go home. That's not going to fucking help. Just going to put on just a big, big tubby drink. It's like, <laughs> that's more than a Ben and Jerry's. That's more than, yeah. if you melted, I could come in with a melted down Ben and Jerry's. And he's there with his protein, like, less calories, you know. Slug it. More enjoyable. I'm oh, way more enjoyable. He drank it in like two goes. It was honestly, I was uh, like, what are you doing? Just irritates me when you see people like that. Like, because then he'll complain that he's putting on weight. He's, he's on male replacement. That's what drinks. I said to him. I was like, I said to him, I, I, I'm not being mean. I was like, I explain a lot of things to them. Because <laughs> they're like, the guys that are like 21 and 19. I was there like, I'll be like, what do you mean? I, I like say things and I do a lot of explaining. But I was like, yeah, I said to him, I was like, no, you can drink that today. He's like, you won't put on weight if you just because you drank that today. He's like, just don't drink them every day, you idiot. He's like, oh, okay. I needed to hear that. I was like, what? <laughs> Cause he, that's because he's drank it every other day and he's like, I'll be all right. Yeah, imagine he's been drinking it for weeks. <laughs> it's like the thing from uh, Mean Girls when she has the bars. <laughs> you probably wouldn't have seen, so like you, 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 like me, despise football um the south korean football team have apo had to apologize because they've been putting yes sex yes dolls. i have seen that it's my favorite <laughs> thing ever sex dolls instead of fans in the to fill the grounds out with which is just yes. brilliant yeah um i actually don't see the issue with it no they were all covered content. up they were closed they were good it's just a uh, mannequin they had face masks on very responsible I mean, if it was all mannequins, terrifying. In all honesty, they were socially distanced. Yeah, I honestly didn't see the issue. No, me neither. I mean, it's better than what some football clubs have done over here, in which some of it, some of them have allowed like Osama bin Laden to be printed off and sat in seats in the crowd. The fuck? Because like fans have been able to pay, like send their photo in and pay for a cardboard cutout. To be sat in the seats. No, and they printed it in a Osama Bin Laden photo. Yeah. <laughs> I think Hitler's been in a couple of the grounds as well. And they still go, yeah, go on then. Yeah, that was someone just someone has to approve that. Someone carried that there. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be like some 16-year-old who has no idea who either other people are and just... Uh -huh, all right. I'm sorry, this, I don't think... I think people know who Hitler is. <laughs> well, I, I don't there. think Hitler's left the zeitgeist quite yet. But if he's if Hitler's done one thing well, he's hung around in people's imaginations. <laughs> yeah, but you think you'd hope someone would have stopped that beforehand. Otherwise, that's the only excuse for it. You know, they just yeah, they just were like, yeah, fuck it, fuck it. Maybe that's the the plausible deniability thing that like possibly. Mm. Another um obscene uh, news story. Have you heard about the eBay fiasco? No. Well, you need to search. Put eBay executives some um, cyber cyber spying. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, he's in. He's in some hot shit. They're like, 
It's an amazing story. They've all been fired, though, which is good, but they definitely need to be uh, taken further. But how fucking insane is that? What could they have possibly said about them? They were sending live cockroaches and bloody Halloween masks. No, that's not even the best bit. It's the porn is the best bit. Have you read that bit yet? Well, the BBC's article has de- decided not to include the uh, porn part. Oh, so basically what they did is they sent their neighbours, all their neighbours around them, like loads of hardcore pornography with the couple's names on it. <laughs> what? <laughs> if I found some hardcore porn that was like Jamie and Clarice, I'd buy it for you and send it to you. It depends how close they are to their neighbours and whether this is a funny Yeah, or... but still. But how how fucked up is that though? What did yeah, they say? What, what could they have possibly written? Oh, there's a um, strip club in America that's now doing drive through strip strip club dances. Yes, I heard I saw that thing as well. It was a fucking awesome. They do a food deliver pickup and delivery service, but they've also just got a pole dancer sat outside or stood dancing. I mean, it'd be all right in this weather, but like, yeah, just in the pissing down rain. I've never understood because the thing is, every third part of stripping I've ever seen, like strip, not as in like when people go to a strip club, has been in, in America and they have like single dollar bills and things. And there's people dancing all around. People dropping fivers every single time. I don't know. I've never been to one. I need to. Uh, we need to. We need to suss more out some people. <laughs> Honestly, it just makes me feel uncomfortable the thought of it. Yeah, I, I think I was. I was in. I feel like I went to one briefly, but it was less of a. This feels weird. It was less of a strip club, more of a, as a bar. I, th- I think it was more of a bar where people were just like kind of topless. Was this in Spain? No, this was in um, Amsterdam. All oh, right. Because uh, I don't know, I would eaten quite a lot of truffles and we kind of ended up there walking around randomly and it was, it was an old... Our place in the place in Spain we had was right opposite a strip club. And it was very like open that it was a strip club. Yeah, there was loads of those in Spain when, like, walking. Honestly, it was so weird when I moved when moved to Spain, and you just walk into like um, news agents and just pawns just there. You're like, what? The pawns just there. What's this? No one said we were. No one said we had this before. It's just on on for sure for everyone. There was um. Yeah, there was a strip club in the, so the town when we first moved to Mallorca. There was a strip club that was called Showgirls. And uh, the sign was an octopus with like wavy arms. And they put like one of those underneath it, they put like one of those touristy like supermarkets, all the alcohol, alcohol yeah. and stuff. And it was called the Big Banana. <laughs> so it had, so you had the Showgirls show, there. And everyone used to refer to it as the Yacht Club. Because that's where all the sailors and shit would hang out, and it literally had the, so it had the, the stripper logo on the side, and then underneath it had this giant hard-on banana pointing upwards. <laughs> and it, honestly, it was so fucking amazing to be like, "That's Captain." I'm like, yeah, <laughs> this is the thing, and it was um run by the Russian uh, mafia, ran the ran the strip club because they did quite a lot. The Russian mafia was the big organized crime thing in the, in Mallorca, or at least the north mm. of there. Like, all the looky-looky men. Like, they literally, I, met, I was speaking to a guy, and then we were just talking to him on the beach. And I was like, how have you started doing this? And he was like, right, yeah, I met this guy, this Russian guy, like, brought us over, and, like, just come, we come over here for a job, and they give us this, and we say, like, yeah, go sell it. I was like, okay, that sounds... Um, yeah. Okay, I'm I'm 15. I'm gonna 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 gonna, gonna mosey on another way now. This is intense. <laughs> We're back with another episode of 109 Ocean Avenue. 
As always, I'm Jack. I'm Jamie. And uh, we are on this uh, mini-third. Uh, we will be talking about folie du. Folie du. Is that, is, I don't know. I, I'm not very good with the French. No, me neither. I've got a YouTube video that's playing in the background just telling me how to pronounce it. Amazing. <laughs> you came so prepared. <laughs> well, yeah, it's folly I do. <laughs> Did you look that up for Brian an hour, literally, just as we speak? No, no, it's... it's uh, loaded up for the episode. As soon as we said we were recording, I was like, right. <laughs> right, you're there. I'm, I'm on it. I loaded that up before I loaded the notes up. But we're not looking at um, the Fallout Boy album, unfortunately. We could do a really good podcast on that, though. I feel like that would be. We'd, we'd just place. do it in depth. We could we could do it at the end. We could do. Just Why not? Throw it off. We could. We've right. got. It's Friday night. I've had a couple of drinks. We can just listen to the album. <laughs> we don't even need to record. <laughs> just yeah. We could just like yeah. People sometimes do things together, and it's weird. So last of the American sweet. Is the best track of that. I feel like anyway. I actually don't like that song. Oh really? No, I don't like the. Uh, it's, it's a bit kitschy. Kitschy. Yeah. Uh, it's. Oh, no. Yeah, fair enough. Well. <laughs> look, look, they're a very good band. I just, I'm just. No, that song's not personally for me. Fair enough. Head first slide into Cooperstown. It's pretty good. I enjoy that track. Yeah, it's a nice song. <laughs> and you'll hear about our, our thoughts and depths when I remember when we listen back. Sorry, I'm like literally pissing with sweat. <laughs> yeah. Just wiping the sweat. Just wiping the sweat. That's why I'm shirtless. Oh, so bad. We are recording this on the oh, hottest day of the year, and literally there is no air. In I've got, I've got my little mini, I got my little mini shorts on. Oh damn! I was gonna do that. Um, but yeah, we're not doing an album review. We are talking about a disorder first uh, conceptualized in 19th century France by French psychiatrist uh, Charles Lazurg. And Jean... Uh, didn't didn't come with a didn't come with a pronunciation for that one, did you? No. <laughs> and Jean Perry Valret. Jean Pierre. Uh, the term is French for the madness of two. So yeah, it's um. There's a there's two types of. I was waiting for you to, I was pausing for you to say it with the perfect pronunciation. <laughs> oh. <laughs> there are two known types of folie du. There's the first. Oh, I didn't do oh, these. Oh, come on. Oh, we had it. I thought we had a system. We're going to, we were rolling, we were backing and forth. Um, So the first type is uh, folie, um, so it's folie, which I'm going to imagine it's impossé. And uh, is where a dominant person known as the primary the inducer or the principal initially forms a delusional belief during a psychotic episode and imposes it itself on another person or persons, which are known as the secondary or the acceptor. With the assumption that the secondary person might not have become deluded basically on their own without the other person. So it's them. This one's kind of like there's one person having like a real fucked up time. To put it yeah. crudely. And they essentially drag the other person into their delusion. It's pretty much like... I think that's what my friend being in friends with me is. Come <laughs> let me tell you about this. <laughs> Just sit down for a minute. Well, I say I was going to put us both under the next one. Which oh, is yeah, actually. Probably, probably is. Sim simulante? Uh where the, basically the delusions of two individuals exposed to each other over time just appear to converge and merge. Yeah, that's, is, that is kind of true. We've both merged our madnesses. Yeah. This is kind of how the podcast nice, came together. And, and a nice snug little snug, snug little fit of... We're kind of messed up. Yeah. 
I wouldn't have looked at 50-50 if it wasn't for Jeremy looking at 50-50 and he wouldn't have looked at it if it wasn't for me looking at it. Exactly. We peer pressured ourselves into this. <laughs> According to the depressionalliance.org, most people with folie do are passive in nature and maybe socially isolated previously and they have dependency personality traits and are very dependent on the person who has the psychotic or delusional disorder. And more often than not, unfortunately, these seem to be women. Well, I feel like that's probably more because they're more communicative. Mm, probably. I feel like if I had to if I had to lure someone else into my delusion, I would wouldn't I feel like if you're a woman, you've managed to as soon as the slightest bit of the delusion's happening, you might be able to communicate this better to the other person at the low level so they've kind of grown into it with you mm. you know what i mean so yeah. as you're getting ramping up they're slowly getting under so they're so you basically come at it at a more even playing field where if i turn up to someone it's gonna be where i'm at i'm already at an 11 and people are not gonna be on the same wavelength as me to be able to be brought in i feel like that's possibly could be why the best way to treat and well the best and most effective way to treat this is for the two people just to be separated, like take them apart from each other, and um, undergo therapy. And the delusions at that point tend to seem to diminish from each other. And as long as they stay separated, um, should be fine. And they just need to work on their dependency issues. But that's what I was wondering. Is like, if I, I know that is it the fact that they're both together that's making the delusion happen? No, I feel like. Once you take the primary person out of the way, the delusionist, we'll call them. The delusionist? Yeah, I feel like that's the correct um, the, the correct wording. Yeah. Once you take them away, then you can correction, like give therapy to the person who's taken on that delusion and probably start to turn them around really quickly. Yeah, because when, when someone's like, it's actually kind of, because it was, it's in your head now, but before, it wasn't even in your head. Yeah, you you never thought someone's about that put before. it in your head. Yeah, and then the other person obviously. But I wonder how do you, how do you get someone to come into your over time hallucination? Yeah, it's definitely it's it's just got to be. It's like a war of attrition. You just yeah. keep plowing on with it. Just keep like cause this, chicken, I feel like this away. is so. Yeah, this is this plays in so much to again because I feel like I will now just relate everything back to the book Valis by PKD or Philip Philip K. Dick, which you need to. I feel like everyone needs to get on it. It's taken me. I get because I'm trying to listen to it. It's, I can't listen to it at work, and I can't listen to it when I smoke, which is unfortunate because I was like, this is gonna be like this mind expanding book about the breaks of the concepts of reality. But then I'm like. Oh, this is too hard to focus. I need to actually be listening, like really active. So I just kind of have to sit there. And like I'm, I'm listening to it mainly in the chunks when I wake up in the morning from like 5.45 to like half six. So I've got these 45-minute chunks of it. It's fucking good, though. Honestly, you question the whole premise. There's lots of... Obviously, I know it's fiction. That's the one that's fake, yeah? Yeah, fiction. Fiction's the fake, yeah? Yeah, because it's non-fiction. Yeah, fiction's fake. So how about we uh, get into our first case that we'll be uh, talking about yes. today, which is the uh, Nathan Leopold and Richard Loeb, which I think they're pretty famous. They're um, our younger people may know them or people of actually any sort of age know them from being the names of the prison, the children's prison in Riverdale. Oh, is it? It's like the it's the Leon, Leonard and Leo is the uh, Leopold and and Leo um, prison for boys or something like that. I did not know that. I've only yeah, watched like, the first episode. And I was just like, nah. Oh god, I swear Ashley was watching it. Yeah, we, no, we only watched like the first two or three episodes, and then we were both like, nah. Oh, I don't know if she kept no. watching it or not, but I was just like, she definitely kept watching it because yeah, you were always working. I was just there sitting there watching. But though I say. I did. The, my love for Project Runway has now gone away. <laughs> um, but yeah, it is a an American case of a folie de 
from nine, 1924. Uh, Nathan Leopold and Richard Loeb. Is that right? It's Loeb? Yeah. It's Loeb? Uh, yeah, well, that's what we're going with. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, we're American sweethearts is what they were. There they were. Oh, fuck. Damn, that's good. Yeah, they were a, a, pair, a couple of uh, boys. I think I'm pretty sure they met quite young, if not mistaken. And uh, they were they were lovers, as we said. Uh, Law was apparently the dominant of the two, which is surprising by all accounts, as Leopold was apparently a genius with a high IQ and was an academic prodigy. But an all-round unpleasant person who had a superiority complex over others, believing he was exempt from social rules that you know hold everyone else into place. It's always it's always scary when I, I recognise a little bit of myself in the opening paragraphs <laughs> of these things. The thing is, though, it's I have a self-aware, a sense of grandeur. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's ridiculous. There's absolutely no reason for it. As long as you're, I you're aware of that. Average. <laughs> so average. And I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty good though. That's just that's just the way you gotta live C. life. I'm a C and a C, but I'm like, I'm pretty fucking I'm an I'm an A star thinking C. That's what I gotta do. Just walk into the room and go, I'm the best in here. Says who? Says me. What about it? Says me. And I and I am really of no form of valid way to validate it. But since I am the best here, I'm obviously right. Good day. Then on a heel click. For some reason, every time I think of that, all I think of is like is going into an audition. What of heel clicking? No, not the heel clicking thing. That I'm walking in the room and being like, I'm the best here. I always picture that me doing that. For some reason, it's like an acting audition, <laughs> or what I assume from hearing snippets of people who have been there. Describe what an audition's actually like. <laughs> Just always have a picture when people say that thing. I'm like, yeah, she's got a picture of the best there. Yeah, that's what you gotta do. Yeah. But Lord was also a brilliant scholar as well. Uh, the youngest person of his time to have gained a degree at the University of Michigan. Obviously, because it's 19. Yeah, I swear he was like 17. Yeah, he's like stupidly young. And it graduated. Not like he went to school. He didn't start when he was 17. He was like, yeah, you're done. It's like four years there. Like, get on with the rest of your life. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, child. Obviously, because it's 1924, they kept their relationship pretty much a secret. Yeah, you've, you've got to imagine it was ha pretty damn hush-hush. They became obsessed with reading true crime novels, which then under Lorb's leadership, they started reenacting starting with like setting small fires in buildings and uh, breaking into buildings and some of this apparently turned into a sexual fetish for them well this is um they do because they are uh, they highly people they link that crime a lot so people who commit arson often commit rapes as well because it's like a weird crime like of trying to gain control thing really but if you set a fire you're normally setting something out of control but you've taken control and you've you're you've overpowered the thing and it's like you've done this thing. It's like a control rage issue thing. I'm certain of it. Again, I could be could be chatting out my ass, but I'm pretty sure there is a link between arsonists and rapists, possibly. Um, but it took a much darker turn. Even even the setting building is pretty dark. People could die. Uh, a much darker turn when they decided to plan what they were calling the perfect crime. Their quote-unquote perfect crime took them seven months to plan, including planning the murder weapon, uh, which they decided on a chisel, which they purchased especially, which, again, is a terrible method. You don't yeah. purchase the weapon you for steal things. The weapon. You find something that you can use as the weapon. More. I mean, like, day one. Come on, guys. But then yeah. <laughs> again, it's like 1924. We know all this now because of how everyone's thick. But anyway. And uh, carefully selected the victim, Bobby Frank, who uh, was, this was a stupid thing because the first, I think the first rule of killing, which I shouldn't be saying, but in the, I reckon if they saw, if they gave out a serial killer's 
or a killer's handbook. And if you want to just get away with murder, it's always going to say, step one, kill a stranger. Step two, because all the don't murders they solve, your own weapon. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's two stages to the first start planning, but all the ones like they catch is because there's a connection to them. Because that's most murders are people like you kill. So it's like, how possibly would you think it was a perfect crime? But anyway, uh, yeah, they selected Bobby Frank, who was Loeb's second cousin, and lived across the street. So again, right near them. They actually rented a car under the name Morton D. Bullard. Good fake name. Very good fake name. That's I think solid I think solid solid name as a whole. Um, it doesn't quite beat May Mountain for me. No. But um it is a it's a it's a good name. Uh, then um as Frank was walking home from school on the twenty first of May, they persuaded him to climb into the car, despite him only being two blocks from his home. So again, but they didn't have. I probably wasn't that much of a persuasion. They're like, "Hey, just jump in the car. We're cousins. Yeah, and we'll neighbors." Bobby was then bludgeoned several times before being gagged and dragged into the back seat of the car, where he died. And after that, they dumped him in a ditch near a swamp. Now, what about that? Sounds like perfect on the crime. First of all. Like, yeah, we'll just bludgeon him, throw him out there. Because how much blood? Bludgeoning's always bloody. Yeah. I can kind of see why they thought it was the perfect crime, though. Yeah, they are children. One, they're children, and two, they've been reading crime novels, which I don't think they've taken from the fact at the end of the crime novel that everyone everyone gets gets caught. caught. So you probably shouldn't take too much from those books if you're planning a murderer. Yeah, that's true. Because it's like even if it works, then it's like in the long run, not a wholesale plan. But they did um, to obscure the body's identification, pour hydrochloric acid over the face and on a distinctive abdominal scar, as well as the genitals to conceal the fact that he was circumcised. That's fucked. Which I feel like if you're burning, if you're gonna pour hydrochloric acid onto somebody's scar, surely it just makes the scar bigger and point out to the fact that there was a scar there in the first place. Yeah, that's what I mean. You've got to cover the... Ho- I'm not... I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you would... I've always thought that. When the people were like, oh, they cut off the arm for the tattoos, I was like, well, yeah, now they're going to be looking for someone missing with a tattoo there. Or a noticeable mark on their arm. But uh, on the night, Miss- Mrs. Franks received a phone call from a Mr. Johnson boring they weren't they weren't playing oh, but they did change that... the name though they did change the name from the person who rented the car out which i think is a smart move yes this is a second name yeah yeah they keep they keep the names flowing. boring but it's... but it's easy i mean it's not morton d ballard like you're not gonna get two of those in a session like you've gotta like to pay for that you've gotta throw out a whatever next one's gonna be like smith like you know it's like yeah whatever um but they informed so he who informed her that um, Bobby had been kidnapped. So the next day a letter arrived. Um, and the next day when the letter arrived, um, and the letter said that he was still alive, but they must deliver $10,000 in old 20 and $50 bills. So Otherwise, they said they'd kill him, which, as we know, a tip had come in that a boy's body had been found in the ditch near Swampland. His brother-in-law went down on the advice of a local reporter to see if he could go identify Bobby. Unfortunately for Mr. Franks, the body was identified as as Bobby. To make matters worse, shortly after receiving this news, a phone call came through from Mr. Johnson again with instructions on how to deliver the ransom money. It wasn't until the 29th of May, a whole eight days after the incident, that they linked a pair of glasses that had been found near the body to Leopold after an unusual hinge mechanism was found on them, which was only purchased by three people in Chicago, one of which was Leopold. His initial alibi was that they must have fallen out of his pocket while bird watching. Classic. Oh, classic alibi. Watching I feel for and... any murder suspect should be using that. Oh no, I was actually out here bird watching earlier. Oh. And I uh, dropped the knife. So no, she must have fallen here and bled on it separately. Yes, my ha- fingerprints were on the knife, that, and that does indeed say my name on it. 
but I simply left it out here whilst carving an apple, and this woman must have stumbled upon it whilst bleeding. I mean, I'm, I'm liking that excuse. And, uh, that's how the blood's on it. I'm buying that. I feel like, again, that's... Yeah. That's, uh... That that that's 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 page three of the of the murder manual. <laughs> uh, I know. I the thing is how much I want to spend my day off tomorrow drawing up like a fun little cartoon, like a girl, you know, like the Girl Scouts guide thing, like you have at the Beavers, where it's like the guys to set in a fire and all that stuff. Yeah, a pamphlet in that style to get away with murder. Oh, we should. How fucking funny is that? We can't. But it's funny as fuck. The thought of it. No, we should do it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so you want to get away with murder, kids? <laughs> well, it's plain and simple. Uh, when they were both brought in for formal questioning, they stated that on the night of the murder, they had been picked up two women, Edna and May, in Chicago using Leopold's car before dropping them off sometime later near a golf course. Unfortunately, they did decided not to get last names of these two women, so there was no way of tracing. They were also completely fictitious, so you couldn't have traced them anyway. Uh, unfortunately, the alibi uh, immediately fell apart when a chauffeur was questioned, uh, who stated that he was repairing the car in question on the night of the murder. So, uh, <laughs> how, in what, I know they said they were like, I know that, ch- again, I keep having to forget how, like, quickly look up how old they are, because they are young as fuck, I'm pretty sure. And they're like, oh, the perfect murder. I'm like, no, this is straight up stupid. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> it's just dumb. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, we were in my car. And then it was like, uh, yeah, okay, that's any way to prove that? I'm like, yeah, 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 I'm sure you, there's loads of ways to prove it. We, we, we were with Edna and May, you know? And they just go to the guy who was like, uh, the mechanic. We're like, have you seen this car? I was like, yeah, yeah, I was working on that car that night. I'm like, one question. They were 18 and 19. Oh, okay, shit, older than I thought. Still children. Oh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but, yeah. So uh, after they were pointed out, basically, like, the chauffeur was like, um... No, they brought him back in, and then uh, Loeb confessed immediately that stating that Leopold had planned everything and he just drove there whilst the killing took place, and he was nothing more than just the driver. And then they went over to Leopold and they were like, What went down then? The chauffeur says he was working on your car, and then Leopold's like, It was all Loeb, I was just there, I was just driving the car, which is you know, a great, like, you know exactly what you want from your your lover is to just to grasp your hands straight away but was that i kind of part of me thinks was that their plan to do that just say you just say i did it all i'll just say you do it all and then they have to try and prove that one of us did it i guess yeah it's like when i'm identical twins like it's really hard to charge them because you can't prove it, it was either one of them through the dna unless there's a fingerprint so it's really you can't charge it's really hard to convict them because then it's like well which one do you convict obviously if one's in town and the other one lives in sydney but then like it could have flown over could have done a switcheroo the whole time the other one could be that one or the ways if i had a fully identical twin i would honestly if there was a full the first time i've thought of this ever though as as children i feel like we would discuss it and we're like right we're gonna go leave two crazy lives different but different and we'll just keep swapping <laughs> just we'll just keep swapping back and forth no one will really know who is who. Just swap on a Wednesday afternoon. Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. But you'd have to, you'd have to work two jobs, though. Not necessarily. You would, though, because you'd have to well, work yeah, you your job, and then yeah. you'd have to work your identical twin's job. Yeah, but half the time. Half the time as well. It's yeah, way but, more experience. But then you've got to get, like, you know, you've got to be skilled in two jobs. Not necessarily. <laughs> Only one of them might be a skilled worker. Ah, true. They're two distinct, different roles. They're not... I don't what. Then neither one of these lives are my twins a doctor. Just checking. Like, don't worry. But we could have both done medical school because we'd have been swapping so continuously <laughs> that we would both be proficient in both fields. But it probably wouldn't be surgery. Yeah, I mean, that would be a bit worrying. I reckon one would just live by the beach and surf a lot. Is that you and then your identical twin would? I don't know. Unfortunately, yeah, I'd like to, that one would be fun. I'll, I'll be that one. And the other one could be all straight-laced and whatnot. Uh, they said it was the thrill of the kill they, uh, they were after and their delusions of grandeur which led them to do this as well as their aspirations to commit the perfect crime. However, Leopold also stated he considered it an intellectual exercise as whether it could be done or not. Fail. It was a, a failure. Like, Leopold yeah, it was, it was not the perfect you straight crime. straight up fucked it. 
You're it, it is. So little time. I feel that's one of the shortest things we've even spoken about in terms of like crime wise. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think because, um, yeah, Richard Chase, obviously from his last one, but then he'd also committed the first series of things. They took him. They took him a while to catch him, but not that long. But yeah, I think this nine to eight is it eight days. Yeah, it is. Eight days. What an absolute fucking piss poor effort. I mean, it's good. They deserve to be caught. They shouldn't have fucking done it in the first place. Oh, come on. Yeah, obviously not Imagine the Imagine the, the fucking, like, the, how can you even be like, yeah, we're going to commit the perfect crime and get caught after eight days. The guile of it all. <laughs> fucking morons. Um, it was within the court case and hearing that the argument of fully adieu was brought forward and that Loeb was uh, responsible for the crime, dominating and influencing Leopold in a master-slave relationship they quoted there saying they were actually uh sentenced to life for the murder plus 99 years for the kidnapping which is obviously understandable Loeb was actually killed in prison in uh, 1936 and apparently he died in leopold's arms which again kind of sweet but still real fucked up Mm -hmm. uh well leopold on the other hand being the genius that he was was eventually released on uh, parole in 1958 which is what's that 24 years yeah yeah 24 years and he was 18 at the time of it so but um he actually uh gained several skills while being in prison he masters uh many languages and started uh teaching the students like the other inmates and he actually worked as a x-ray technician in the prison hospital which is makes me think of like have you hear, heard the thing about the doctor the guy in prison who's become a doctor through all the programs and he feels like he's like oh they should release me from prison because he's like a vaccine person like oh i think i think i'll be able to cure coronavirus i mean i'd release him. To cure like, let's get everyone in on this yeah but he murdered someone release him on parole you know he set up like a, a guy and then they like murdered a bit whilst filming it and stuff <laughs> well maybe tag him tag him yeah tag him and have like have Do someone it in the around prison, him. Aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> give him yeah, give him everything he needs in the prison. Uh, but yeah, he after the release of prison, he uh, moved to Puerto Rico. Uh, when he died in 1971. Oh, after which little side note here. Uh, one of his corneas was both of his corneas were removed, and uh, one was given to a man and one and another to a woman. Which I would assume with corneas would always get the same, but then I guess. With cataracts and things, one eye goes at a time. Yeah. How how fucking crazy is that we can cut out a piece of an eye and then put someone else's piece of eye in it and it just works? It's a bit weird. It's a bit... It's Honestly, every time that I think about it more, it's so fucking insane. Like, you're like, seeing through that person's eyes. But how are we... How are our parts that interchangeable? Well, they're not all that interchangeable, though. I know they're not all, but I tell you what, I feel like our parts are more, as our species, humans, our parts are all more interchangeable than all the parts in Ikea. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can't take two bookshelves apart in Ikea and then just mix them up. Yeah. I just can't. uh, Every time I'm like, yep, we're just just all fucking monkeys with uh, holding little knives and cutting off other parts of other people and putting them on other people. Mm Mm-hmm. It'll not be long until you can but, get like, uh, plug and play limbs. Yeah, that stuff's great. Oh, that that's awesome for like amputees. I don't. I really don't think people should be cutting off their arms no, to no. make themselves into cyborgs. <laughs> no, if it, if it's unbeen unfortunate and happened to you, then you know let's the one that where it's so crazy that they're trying to get like the sensations in it, and I feel like that's the one great. Yeah, they're trying to get like the hot on the so you actually feel things. So I'm. I know it's because if you feel things, you can grip things and you get all the sense of touch. But I only ever equate feeling to pain. I was like, oh, it's going to, which says something about me, probably. <laughs> but I was there like, why would you want to feel pain? It's the great thing about having a robot arm. Yeah, but you do want to suppose you want to feel, be able to feel it. Yeah. You couldn't play bass or guitar with a robot arm properly. You wouldn't be able to get your pressure if it was your fretting hand. I can't do that anyway. <laughs> I would still be able to play like me with two robot arms. <laughs> I feel like I could, with any form of the current system, if eventually what I feel like my technique is poor enough, that would with me could it comfortably get back to my playing style after several probably it would ta- I bet everything takes me so long to do. Like if it's a manual thing, it takes me ages. Like absolutely ages to be able to do it properly. 
I reckon it would take me like literal years. <laughs> but I would be able to get to the style of where I'm playing now. <laughs> After nearly, oh God, it's in a shameful amount of time. Like it's got to be like 12 years of playing. I should be so much better than I am. Yeah, I have that thought the other day when I was playing guitar. I was like, why? Why did I just stop at uni for a while? Yeah, I just, oh. <laughs> you know, it's, not, it's my own fault that I'm not good, but I'm like, oh. God, I should just be good. Surely time counts for something. I'm afraid not. So yeah, that was um Leopold and Loeb. So they basically their whole thing. I get that being the I kind of see the one pulling into the other one, but it is kind of odd that Leopold was taken away. But then again, get taken in by it. But smart people get taken in by cults all the time. I don't know why. It's, it seems weird to think it, but a lot of smart people do just fall for it. Oh, because I get. It's the thing is, like, people who um, seem gullible are, in the long run, less gullible, apparently. All right. Because, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I found this really hard to, I heard it on, like, um, No Such Thing as a Fish, I'm like, mm, hang on, hang on, what are, you, what are you saying? Or was that the whole joke? Was the joke that it was gullible? But, but because that you're more gullible with people, you learn about how people have tricked you. So you're less likely to be tricked in that way again. Mm. So meaning by the time it's run to it, you've probably fallen for so many things that you're not going to keep falling for those. You won't fall for those specific things again. And those are the ones that happen most of the time. Yeah. So you eventually, you. I think that's kind of what they were saying by it, but it didn't make any sense to me. And they're like, which I, 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 the thing is, I know I'm smart, but I also am ready to believe a lot of things. Yeah, but I feel... If I've... it falls within my realm of things I believe in, I'm like, keep going. <laughs> just the fishing line's out and they're just reeling you in. Yeah, and they're like, oh. But then eventually I'm like, well, this is nonsense, though. But keep going. <laughs> so there was these aliens and then there was some ghosts. I'm like, you, ghosts and aliens, you say? Then I'll be like, you know, some people think they're actually all the same thing, just different representations of what kind of imagery that you have in your head that you would see with a spectre. And then they're like, oh, and they just see dollar signs rolling in. <laughs> That's the great thing about me. I don't have enough money. I don't have any money to be involved in any like schemes. It's probably a good thing. Which is probably, it is definitely a good thing. Like, honestly, I can't imagine if I suddenly was given, say, a hundred million dollars, knowing I could do so much more good with it. And I would do it. I would give a load of it away. But I'm not going to lie that I wouldn't invest in To The Starts Academy like, heavily oh yeah it's straight in there i'm talking a good uh, 12 grand i'm dropping into it and no i shouldn't but come on yeah it's got to be done i mean i'm not the the rest because we were talking me and chris talking about this the other day like we were talking about the whole jeff bezos is he has he got a trillion or something yet i think so and we're like how could you possibly ever need that much money like what you can't have more money now it's just literal numbers on a screen. Like, what do you do with that? I don't know. Run the world eventually? Oh, no, sorry. He doesn't have a trillion. It's 163.3 billion. How many? I can't, I can't even speak to that number. It's long. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you that. It's long. It's, I'll tell you what, there's a lot of thing about this. It's got lots of zeros. What, what's he going to do apart from eventually taking over... The, a branch of government it's 12 digits long how long until amazon step in and be like don't worry we'll police you i don't think you will i don't see him as the you don't think i don't the man that keeps getting more muscular and somehow bolder <laughs> each time looking more and more like a super villain yeah i just don't think honestly look at lex luther and look at him oh they're almost identical he's just getting is lex luther ripped in the comics? Uh, not that I'm aware of. I mean, where he's fairly like, yeah, they are identical. Yeah, see? I still don't see, see him taking over the world. What part of it doesn't... It started as a bookshop. Book's powerful. <laughs> yeah, the power of words, eh? Yeah. Look, and I hate... Do you know what? I hate it. All the time, Every time I'm like, audible, I'm like, fucking, it's fucking Amazon that. And it's been Amazon for such a long ass time. But still, I'm like, I can't... I don't know, I shouldn't use it. Every time I'm like, oh, this fucking sucks. It's just convenient. Me watching if Bob's Burgers on video, Prime Video, I'm like, ah, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. I feel dirty about it. So let's talk about now the Parker Hume case from 1954. So uh, this case actually has inspired countless books and uh, 
a play as well, and it's also the inspiration for Peter Jackson's film Heavenly Creatures. Have you seen it? Is this the horror film? I don't one? know. I haven't seen it. So I don't think I have. I feel like I really... I feel like we do this a lot, you know. I mean, we, we, we mentioned what? that the cases have films based on them, but neither one of us have seen it. So we've never seen. We've never seen, because again, I've always tried to, try to watch the films. Uh, but yeah, let's... Uh, so Pauline Parker was born in uh, 1938 in Christchurch, New Zealand. And she was from a working class background. She was diagnosed with osteomyelitis, which is a bone infection that can cause overlaying redness, fever and weakness. Normally, and it normally affects children's. It affects um, the longer bones you've got, so it affects the bones in your legs and arms. And uh, so in contrast to her, um, Juliet Hume was actually born, born in uh, London in 1938 and she was the daughter of henry hume who was a physicist uh, best known for working on the british like hydrogen bomb and is considered like one of the four major minds behind the project hume uh, was in fact uh, diagnosed with tuberculosis while he was living in the bahamas in south africa she was. oh sorry uh hume was uh, was diagnosed diagnosed with tuberculosis and he was uh, sent to the Bahamas and South Africa to recuperate, which again, you know, there's nothing like a little bit of apartheid. Oh yeah. It really makes the, <laughs> it really helps the lungs. And uh, he was actually uh, moved to New Zealand. He actually, him and his family moved to New Zealand in 1948. Yeah. The two of them met at uh, Christchurch Girls School and bonded over both their medical conditions. This, however, later developed into a fantasy life together in which they would often sneak out and act out their own fantasy life and world that they'd created uh, involving... Which, again, norm, normal children's stuff. Yeah, I don't think there's anything weird about that. Involved elaborate characters of religion with its own saints, um, even a parallel dimension. All right, well... Which they called the fourth okay, world. Okay, that was... Well, okay, that's a bit bigger than my imaginary games. Yeah, a little bit bigger, but, you know... Uh, creative they believed they were capable of entering this fourth world dimension that they'd created during moments of spiritual enlightenment which is you know what though that's that's very much like the whole teachers things of like the whole oh, what's it called this again this this ties back to valis by uh philip k dick <laughs> there's they're talking about the his delusions and it's like the Aboriginal tribes in uh, Australia. So the actual the indigenous people of Australia, they enter this state, which is called like the news, the new wake, the new time or the sleep time or something like that. And it's basically that's the actual what is reality. Everything else is kind of the fake state of reality. And in like loads of emotional or physical pain, you can break through into like the actual state which is called like sleep time nice so which is kind of like this thing of being like they could break through into these into the actual mm. realm and again it is did relate back to all having this uh, fully created life within it and stuff so who knows <laughs> maybe they did maybe they were tapped maybe they were tapped into some form of uh universal i don't know like the was it the collective unconscious and they they kind of they knew about it yeah they they both rejected christianity as a religion um makes sense too yeah, it always does. Any religion, really. Mm -hmm. They eventually came up to the with a plan to flee to the United States together. Yeah, that's fair, fair enough. I can, I can, so yeah. so far, oh, nothing wrong with it. Apart from their, um, obviously their indemnity to like being ill. Yeah, you, prob you, you probably should to hopefully strive the idea of recovery. You shouldn't romanticize being rather come then loving feeling feeling ill. I don't know, but then again, I don't have any major medical conditions. But still, it's probably, I think it's healthier to probably feel like your body will feel definitely feel better if you're wanting to feel better. Yeah. Than if you want to stay feeling like shit. Then surely your body just gets worse. But Which I think kind of like that. There is think about that though when you enter a depression and you're like, hmm, feeling like shit. Mm. Yeah. And you kind of accept it's kind of happening. You're like, like yeah, I'm just going to stay here. It's, it's like depressed. The, it's the third takeaway of the week where you're like, yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is happening. I'm going to let this happen. I'm going to eat while sweating. In my pants? No, just completely naked, sweating in front of a mirror in the dark. With the sauce just dripping down you and you're just like... Oh. Dripping, just 
just dripping over me. I don't even like KFC gravy. Why have I done this? <laughs> just straight up drinking KFC gravy. Um, however, the girl's parents uh, worried that they how about hand disturbed about how much time and worried about the nature of their relationship fearing it might be homosexual because literally i think it was in the 60s that there's like like the psychiatrists in america finally converted finally got rid of that homosexuality was a like syndrome like i swear it was like the 60s like it, they would like classified it as a, like a disorder. It's proper fucked. It's it's even more fucked when you look like further back in history when it was kind of like open and accepted. Like during yeah, when everyone was like, yeah, people are gay. But there's like that whole thing of like loads of the cultures across the world, like trans people, where they were like, yep, yeah, that's the third gender. And I don't know everyone's the whole thing, but that's the sensitive thing of how many genders and all that non that stuff. But it's the whole thing before another culture. They were like, yep. Yeah, those are kind of like people over there doing their thing. Maybe they will help us with bread. But now it's they're like, no, everything. This is, this is all awful. Stop this all immediately. It's that whole thing of when the people are like those statues need to be covered up now. Everything is. Well, what was the term that? This just deviance. And uh, so because of that, this fear, they actually uh, uh, split the children up. And in uh, 1949, uh, Juliet's parents separated uh, with them moving back to the UK, but she was sent to live with her family in South Africa, partially for her health, but um, it was so the girls would be permanently separated so they uh, couldn't contact each other. Uh, Pauline told her she wished to accompany Juliet, but this was uh, declined, obviously, because how much they hated uh, them together. Um, so this set a pl- actual set of the plan in motion that they would kill Pauline's mother and move to New York City so they could publish their stories of all the worlds they had created and so they could work in film. So kind of like a glamorous... Do we know how old are these girls? So they're 16? Yeah, 16 and 17. So yeah, so it's they could... The whole... Apart from the killing... So this was the... Everything was completely fine. Yeah, it sounds like quite nice. Until the killing of the parents, which kind of... It hasn't to guess, like, if they were allowed to stay together and then they just moved, do you reckon they would have killed anyone? No, I don't think they would. They wouldn't have had a need to. If they were... Yeah, if, if it was... If they were just all hanging out doing their thing continuously. Mm. So on the morning of the 22nd of June, 1954, Parker and Hume had gone for a walk with Parker's mother through Victoria Park. Near a wooded area, they bludgeoned her mother to death with half a brick encased in an old stocking before running back to the tea shop that I think they'd just left and stating to the, the owners of the tea shop that her mother had fallen ill and hit her head um, when she'd fallen. They needed help. However, major lacerations were found on the head, neck and face and the police found the wo- murder weapon in the woods nearby. Both bludgeoning deaths. Mm. Both, uh, both. Very physical again. Imagine beating someone with a brick and then climb. But also, got to give these girls props. No purchase with this, was there? Nope. There's no trace. Apart from, again, hiding it poorly. Hiding it poorly and going too far with the murder. Yeah, definitely. I need to keep coming off. I'm uh, coming off real pro-murder in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> like, if they, if, they t- if they managed to do it in one swift blow... And then it would have been plausible that she hit her head, I feel. Mm, yeah. Once you go in for like two or three, you know, you start, it's not believable. Yeah. Yeah, you can't. Oh, she fell twice. <laughs> she <laughs> fell. She got back up. She's like, bloody hell, that was such a... And then she fell again even harder. It was odd, really. I feel like the first blow probably did a lot of damage that she didn't really realise. It's like when people like get up and they're like, oh, I'm okay. And then they like die. <laughs> like that. Have you heard about the story of the guy that fell into that jumped into the geezer to rescue a dog? No, so messed up. He, like a guy, he was he was like going across the country with him and his mate. A dog dog jumped into like one of the geezers in a national park somewhere. So he jumped in to try and rescue the dog. Obviously, the dog like just went underground. Then he was like, "Oh no, I've I've made a mistake. I've made a mistake." He like went dive fully head under. He's like, "I've made a mistake. I've made a mistake." And then he got the guy, him and his friend, managed to get him out. His friend was like, burnt all his feet for just trying to help him out. And then yeah, he like died and lost. It was like that was really stupid. Yeah, that was pretty stupid. So after the murder weapon had been found, um, they obviously went to court and pleaded guilty but the defense went for an insanity plea in the opinion of the psychiatrist psychiatrist reginald mellicott 
and Francis Bennett, The Girl's Contempt for the Bible and Beliefs in the Fourth World Paradise Were Evidence of Insanity. Imagine if contempt for the Bible and they try and get you as insane for that. I might use that if it ever comes to it. <laughs> in a country where they're... The whole thing is like the freedom of religion and they're like, nope, we, we have one. It's, it's, it's this God. This one. We, we lied about the whole separation of church and state. No, you don't believe in the Bible. Guilty. <laughs> like, I think every Christian country has lied about the church separation of church and state. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that you can have a denominated country of that kind and be like, no, 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 but, 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 there's no, no actual connection. But it's this one. <laughs> Because remember, you can have your ten, you can have the Ten Commandments outside a law court in America, but you can't have a, a satanic symbol. Oh, that's... Didn't they get it? Didn't they get... I, I they think got they the... did get it, but they took it down because it was getting abused. Mm. But they were, and that's the main point. Um, yeah. The jury were told that the pair thought they were morally right in killing her, and the girl suffered from paranoia, delusions of grandeur, and delusions of ecstasy. Now, I've had a fair few delusions of ecstasy, <laughs> and they're off... And I tell you what... I have fully watched, like, cities develop in the sky. And it was so... I've seen that technically, maybe I've seen the fourth world. Possibly. Like, honestly, it was, it was incredible. I was, I remember I was sat on this hillside and then I was the clouds. I was in, like, next to the whole, uh, the mausoleum. And I, and I just watched the clouds were all just there being clouds. And then suddenly they all started, like, shifting down into, like, build the sea. And it seemed like it was revolving. I kept seeing like all these skyscrapers and things like develop in front of me. So, uh, so I feel like it was a positive. They probably again, it's the killing of the, it's the killing of the 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 mum that's the real issue. Yeah, for me here, the... and it is an issue for me, even though it may not sound like it's been <laughs> the whole way through the show. Murdering is actually an issue for me. It's also an issue for me. I'm just gonna clarify that before. <laughs> I feel like I need to say I feel now. like people believe you. I feel like people believe you though. <laughs> or maybe I feel like I'm too much I'm too much of a patsy to be able to be set up in anything. I'm I'm I feel like it's gonna happen. Honestly though, the I feel like I will be gone girl. It will happen. And I'm worried. <laughs> they were both found guilty, but the insanity plea was eventually thrown out. So they served five years before being released. Um but that yeah, they served five years before being released. But the sentence carried a provision that the girls were never to look at to contact each other ever again but there'll be some there's some debate over how true that condition actually is they got five years for it well they served five years before getting released I imagine they probably got a lot more it was probably like a 25 year sentence but yeah i can imagine they were like well they um they seem fine now and with the age they're not next to each other but i think they blame the whole thing on them being together yeah so whereas um leopold and uh lope were probably more Follet and Posey. Mm. This is more of a... The Follet. Signate. Simulate. Simulate. Again, probably pronounced really incorrectly. Hope, but... Probably definitely. They 100% are uh, pronounced wrong. So uh, they've, they were both given uh, no identities after this. Well, I don't know if they were given, but they definitely assumed no identities. And uh, with Hume... Oh, well, like, we're just going to read them out. Uh, Hume is now uh, Anne Perry. She doesn't get to hide. And uh, she is a fiction novelist and has been a Mormon since 19... We're t I'm going to read one of these books. A Mormon fiction novelist. And uh, she was... Been a, yes, she's been a Mormon, in the Mormon, part of the Mormon church since uh, 1968. She um, has stated that the relationship was obsessive, but they uh, she, they weren't lesbians. And I don't think they were either. No, they were just kids. From this one, I think they were just they were just kids. And they were like, yeah, this is going to happen, and then this will happen, and then this will happen, and they both could feeding off each other. It's the murder. The murder is the worst issue. Yeah. Oh, and apparently she's uh, living in Scotland, according to one of your sources here. Oh, yes. Source from a year ago, which <laughs> could be incorrect now. Oh, she, yeah. So in 2000 and... Uh, and the link for the 18. source isn't working, so... <laughs> uh, well, yeah. So uh, that's just a little, very long-winded, hopefully enjoyable, look into uh, Folie de. There is many other more fun cases. These were like some older ones. There are some definite fun modern ones. One with a lot of footage that we will uh, definitely cover again. Oh, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll come back to uh, Folly I Do. Yeah, definitely. There is more, at least two more parts probably in this, especially if we uh, talk for six hours <laughs> and discuss two cases. And have internet problems halfway through one. And Oh, God. I, I can't wait for you to see all the stuff that's on this. 
There is so much stuff that I was just record going around recording. Um, uh, so again, this is a I don't know what was I going to do? I was going to do a weird. This has been, but yeah, we know you. You know what you're still listening to. If you're still listening to this, one, well done. We love you because uh, this is. Yeah, we like this has been a bloody ride. So warm. Uh, so so warm. you can uh, obviously, f- yeah, you can uh, f- uh, listen to us on uh, obviously Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, and most places that otherwise. Someone uh, messaged me and asked if we were on. I think it was like Boxcast. I've never heard of Boxcast. I don't know what that is. Maybe we are. Possibly. I've never heard of it. We're possibly there. I think I still don't think we're on Google somehow because I just I just don't know how it works. I keep trying to read it and trying to get on there, but I can't seem to. Make it work. But, and of course, if you're anything at all, you can uh, follow us obviously on our Instagram account for like photos of the cases and things and other random bits and pieces. Or you can email us at uh, 109 Ocean Avenue for any at gmail. requests com. at gmail.com. Yeah. Oh, I never say it. I never say it. Just like, there you go. <laughs> or you can follow us on our personal accounts. I am at Stay T. And I'm at Jack Blank. Yeah, I hope everyone's doing good. Everyone's all uh, safe. But yeah. Cheers. Peace, guys.